You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, faithful Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins, and joining me virtually is Mike Chappell. Mike, we have some history to discuss today. All the wrong kind. The, the wrong kind, if you're a Colts fan, will discuss their very entertaining loss to the Vikings, why it'll go down in the record books. Um, we'll talk about takeaways, and we'll also take a look at where the Colts stand in the draft order, which might be the, um, the, 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 the priority for a lot of Colts fans at this point in the season. But before we get into all of that, a bit of news breaking on this Monday Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reporting that Jonathan Taylor is likely done for this season. Taylor left the game on Saturday after suffering an injury on the Colts' first drive. It was reported to be a high ankle sprain. Ankle's been bothering Taylor all year. And at this point, with just three, three weeks left, Mike, it really makes sense to shut him down. Yeah, I talked with someone at the Colts complex, and they were waiting for confirmation this afternoon, but... That's the expectation. It, it makes zero sense. Well, with, with a high ankle sprain, you're talking two to four weeks anyway, best case. So it, it makes no reason to try to push him back, which they won't do. It's just too bad. It's it's just been a frustrating season for JT with having the ankle. He had turf too early in the year, and then he aggravated. Or he had the high ankle sprain, and you you saw when he, when he was right, he was right. But, uh, and I tell you, we'll get into it, but he, he got injured on, on the third play of the game on that screen pass, and he would have lit up the Vikings. He, he would have had a big game, there's no doubt in my mind, but wasn't to be. Yeah, the Colts ran for 170-some yards without him, so if Jonathan Taylor was on the field, he was in for a heck of a day sorry to Taylor sorry to everyone who had him on fantasy I think he got you about two points in the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. so that's never fun but let's talk about real football here the Colts 4-8-1 and one, visiting the 10-3 and three Vikings Indianapolis without two of the top three corners in this one Kenny Moore and Brandon Faceon. Uh, Faceon missed a game with the illness Moore still de- dealing with that ankle injury from a few weeks back As you may have heard, the game got off to a great start for Indianapolis. Rookie Dallas Flowers returned the opening kick 49 yards, setting Indy up near midfield. Flowers really establishing himself as quite the return weapon in recent weeks. Uh, The Colts reached first and goal at the four, but the drive would stall from there, and Indianapolis settled for a short field goal to take a three-to-nothing lead. From here, things would get crazy. After a quick stop on defense, the Colts block Minnesota's punt. Undrafted rookie linebacker JoJo Doman snatches it out of the air and returns it back 20 yards, 25 yards about, just for a touchdown. Special teams really coming up big to start this game and putting the Colts up 10 to nothing. Minnesota looking to respond. Their their drive lasts just two plays. The first play, a 40-yard run by Dalvin Cook. The second play, Cook fumbles on a run up the middle, punched out by Zaire Franklin and recovered by Isaiah Rogers. Colts take over at the 34. This time, the Colts would be able to punch it in. 34-yard catch and run by Jelani Woods gets Indianapolis in the red zone. Three plays later, Deion Jackson catches a swing pass from one yard out. Touchdown. That's 17 to nothing. Colts, 
everything going the Colts way early, Mike. And that's what you want. You're, you're in Minnesota, and that place is loud. It is. You hear about Seattle and New Orleans. This place is really, it vibrates. And what you want to do is take the fans out of it. And early on, the fans were already starting to boo the Vikings. So, And it was everybody. It was the defense getting a takeaway, the offense capitalizing, special teams. It was a great start to what was an awful finish. Yeah, still just the first quarter here, but Minnesota beginning to panic. They face fourth and one at their own 31 and decide to go for it. Their stuffed turnover on downs gives Indianapolis great field position, but the Colts can't take advantage. Indy reaches the eight-yard line, but on third and two, Zach Moss is stuffed for a loss, and the Colts settle for a field goal. Minnesota down 20. They again find themselves in fourth and one at their 31. They again go for it. And they again fail. Incomplete fake punt pass gives Indianapolis another short field. But the Colts again settle for a field goal after failing to gain any yards. Chase McLaughlin's 49-yarder puts the Colts up 23 to nothing. The team's traded punts on the next two possessions. And a 55-yarder by Matt Hawk pins Minnesota back at their own five. That meant Julian Blackman did not have far to travel after intercepting Cousins on third down. Pick six for Blackman and the Colts. The Colts had gone 33 consecutive games without a pick six, the longest drought in the NFL. Indianapolis now up 30 to nothing on the 10-win Vikings. Colts force another punt on Minnesota's next drive, giving their offense the ball back with four minutes left in the half. Indy would drive down to the Vikings 11 before yet again settling for a fourth field goal of the half. It, McLaughlin connects. It's 33 to nothing at halftime. Mike, what were your thoughts at the half? Honestly, that they should have had 45 points. I mean, I think they were 1-4 and four in the red zone and three trips inside the 10 or the 11, whatever it was. And it, it's crazy when you're thinking that. If you get 33 and you're thinking – Gosh, you should have had 10 more anyway. So, and normally that bothers you because you're leaving points on the board, but you're thinking, oh, we got 33. But again, it was missed opportunities. It could have, they could have really had the Vikings in a deeper, deeper hole. Yeah, and, and it's hard to even think that it could have been much deeper uh, had you not paid attention to the field position Indianapolis squandered. Did you ever think it was statistically possible for the Colts to lose this game? Well, they put out a stat. And in the 102-year history of the NFL, teams with a 30-plus lead were 1,548 and one with one tie. So, no, you think, you know, that's a 99.99% chance to win. And now we're probably going to keep going and show you how that it's, it's 1,548 and two. That's right. Uh, so the third quarter gets started with a Minnesota punt. But after that, the Vikings offense woke up. The Vikings rip off three straight touchdown drives. The longest took just three minutes and 40 seconds off the clock. Meanwhile, the Colts managed one field goal and three punts. That field goal in natural Colts fashion of 50 plus yarder chase mclaughlin now holds the colts franchise record for most 50 plus yard field goals made in a single season but that's not the record everyone is talking about after this game early fourth quarter minnesota driving into colts territory 
down at the 40, first down at the 41, when Cousins' deep pass is picked off by the rookie Rodney Thomas. Cousins' wide receiver just stopped on the route, and the rookie said, thank you very much. Colts take over at their two-yard line after Thomas stepped out of bounds on the interception, and they go three and out. Minnesota fair catches the punt at the 50, which means the interception cost the Vikings a net of nine yards and took less than a minute off the clock. Uh, you know, turnovers can hurt you in a lot of ways, but the Colts did not make the Vikings pay for that one. Minnesota would need just one minute and 36 seconds to score their fourth touchdown of the half. Adam Thielen's touchdown from y- one yard out makes it a one-score ball game with five minutes and 30 seconds to go, 36 to 28. Indianapolis is in need of some points, but instead, Deion Jackson has the ball stripped, and Minnesota defensive back picks it up and runs into the end zone, but the refs rule that Jackson was down. The call ends up being reversed. Jackson clearly fumbled on the play, but the return for a touchdown uh, does not stand since the officials blew the play dead. Minnesota robbed of the touchdown, but does get the football. Vikings take over at the 46. They pick up a first down, but then three straight incompletion sets up fourth and 10. False start moves them back five more, and the Vikings decide to go for it on fourth and 15, but cannot convert. The Colts take over at their 44 with under three minutes left in the ball game. Indianapolis plays it safe, and they keep it on the ground. A pitch to Zach Moss games 11, but he's unable to stay in bounds, thus stopping the clock. Three more Moss runs sets up a fourth and one at Minnesota's 36, two and a half left, and the Vikings have no timeout. So first down here basically wins the ball game for the Colts. Jeff Saturday opts to go for it. QB sneak with Matt Ryan is ruled short. Minnesota takes over on downs. Mike, what was your thoughts on the ruling where the officials marked Ryan short and also the decision to go for it rather than try a long field goal or pin the Vikings back with a punt? I'd like to have known what the analytics were on on what it says to do. It seems like a coin flip. I was probably in favor of going for it. I mean, it wasn't fourth and one. It was fourth and, I mean, inches. I mean, we're talking inches. Uh, Ryan had been three of three on sneaks since Jeff Saturday took over. And, my goodness, inches, uh, inches. Fourth and inches against a 53, 54-yard field goal, even though McLaughlin has been nails the whole time. I I, I just – I understand you make the field goal to two-position game and the game is virtually over because there's not time with the timeouts. But it's also over if you if you pick up the first down. I was okay with it. I thought the officials – Maybe blew the play dead a little early. I don't know. They normally let that, that thing play out. And if, if you go back and look at the very end of it, Ryan sort of lunged for enough for the first down. He may have had the first down anyway, but it was they didn't get the spot. So I was okay with it. I, would you have kicked or would you have gone for it? I think I would have gone for it as well. Just, you know, game on the line you need a foot maybe less if you can't pick that up i mean do you really deserve to win the game and then the other part of that is yeah they turned it on over to minnesota but if they had tried the field goal and missed that would have gave minnesota even better field position getting it from where uh the kick was attempted instead of the line of scrimmage so 
those two factors kind of played into it. I almost thought about punting it and just trying to pin them, you know, inside their own 10 at their five or something like that. But that would have been the least aggressive of the three options. So I think going for it was the right call. The only thing with punting, though, is you had shown zero you know, chance of stopping Minnesota. So I, I wouldn't have trusted that that would have put the game in the hands of the defense. And with the way that the Vikings were just going through the defense, that would have been such a, you know, low, high risk option, I think. But I, but I, I could argue either way on the, on the field goal or the, or the, or the sneak. And again, it was fourth and inches for crying out loud. Yeah, and, you know, bringing a different officiating crew, they probably let that play out, and Matt Ryan picks up the first down. A lot of questionable calls by the refs. The Colts probably got the best out of a lot of them. They called back two Minnesota fumble recoveries for touchdowns. Um, the other one was a Michael Pittman, where they said his forward progress was stopped, really stopping forward progress sooner than we usually see in NFL games in this one. Uh, but nonetheless, after the turnover on the downs, Vikings take over at their 36 with two minutes and 15 seconds to go, and it just takes one play for Dalvin Cook to find pay dirt. He takes a screen pass, 64 yards, weaving through the Colts' defense. Two-point conversion after the touchdown is good. That's 32 points unanswered, and we have a tie ball game, 36-36. to 36. Colts get the ball back with about two minutes and 11 seconds to go, but on first down, Ryan is sacked by a blitzing linebacker, Colts will go three and out and punt the ball away with one minute left. Thankfully, Indy's defense is able to come up with a stop of their own, and we have overtime. Both teams got a possession in this one, but were unable to score. Two minutes to go, and the Colts are on the verge of their second tie of the year, something that's never happened in NFL history. Two ties for one team in one season. If it was going to happen to anybody, it would be this Indianapolis Colts team. But instead, the Vikings on their second chance with the football, they work the ball to the Colts 40. Then Kirk Cousins hits Justin Jefferson for 13 yards with 20 seconds left. No timeouts. Minnesota hurries up to the line to spike it and clock it. But the Colts defenders just kind of lay on Jefferson, uh, clearly delaying the game. And they get called for it. Five-yard penalty gets the Vikings that much closer. And with seven seconds left, Minnesota attempts a 40-yard game winner, and it's good. Final score, 39-36. to 36. Mike, we witnessed the greatest, the largest comeback in NFL history. I beg to differ. We witnessed the greatest collapse in NFL history. So I, I just, I, again, kudos to Minnesota, but that that's just, you cannot allow that to happen if you're, if you're a team. And keep in mind, th this defense gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter the, the, the previous week at Dallas. Now, I realize that the offense had all the turnovers, but still, 55 points, 58 points in the fourth quarter and overtime the last two weeks. Th there's got to be a word better than embarrassing but I don't know what it is right now. So I, yeah, I, it's it, it's it's one thing to get beat when McLaren out wrestles Gilmore for the ball or whatever. Like this is just inexcusable, and it it is sort of, well, that's that's 2022, and you know what else can happen? You know, you keep thinking that you've reached rock bottom, 
and the Colts and the Colts say, "Oh, you think so? You know, we got three more games to play." So it's in. in you talk to the coach, you talk to Saturday, you talk to Ryan, you know, the media goes in the locker room and you look for answers and there are none. You know, it, it's, it's, and I kind of wrote about it in, 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 after the game and where, where do you lay the blame? The defense for giving up whatever it was, 400 and some yards and all these points in the second half or the offense for just make. If they go back, go back and make two third down conversions, the fourth, yes, the fourth and one, but extend a couple of play, a couple of series, and maybe kick a field goal, whatever. Just do something in the second half. Well, they had nine possessions, I think, in the second half, and they get the field goal. That's it. Hundred and it was one hundred and thirty-two yards after halftime. So, as much as the defense should be embarrassed. This was as much – they scored 36 points, season high, and they had one offensive touchdown. That's that's inexcusable. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play the blame game here in just a second. But first, need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full-service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 35% off your windows through December 15th, which is over. So I think it's about 25% off now. Sorry if you missed out on it. I've been talking about it for weeks. The hometown windows and doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with that hometown feel. Visit them at hometown window team. Com today. All right, Mike, takeaways. We've uh, discussed a few of these, but the historical significance going down in the record books in the worst of ways, uh, 33 points, largest comeback in NFL history. Frank Reich, you know, as if the Colts haven't taken enough from Frank Reich this year, they took away his record for the largest comeback back when he was with the Bills in 1992. Uh, the 33-point halftime lead was Indy's largest since 1997, and it's the Colts' sixth-largest point margin in franchise history. Mike, you already said it. 1,548, one and one was the previous record of teams with a 30-plus point lead. Um, that's a 99.9% win probability, and yet the Colts found a way. You gave them a chance and they found a way. What do you think is worse? Losing in the fashion that the Colts did um, on Saturday or losing how the Patriots did on Sunday against the Raiders where it's a tie game, uh, last play of the game, they, they for some reason decide to start lateraling the football. And if you didn't see it, I believe it was Jacoby Myers just heaves the ball backwards towards Mac Jones, uh, Ch- Chandler Jones of the Raiders, uh, intercepts it, gives Mac Jones the dirtiest stiff arm and just houses it for the win for the Raiders. And that loss actually bumped the Patriots out of their playoff spot. So so I guess my point in all this is it could be worse. I would rather the Colts have the largest collapse in info history than lose on a boneheaded play with so much more on the line. 
we were t- we were going back and forth. The guys, the, the the Colts media guys, we always exchange dumb ideas. We're thinking that with Patriots Colts, that that idiotic lateral, which again it was a six, what was a fifty five something fumble return for a touchdown, is how his house recorded. That replaces the Colt Anderson Griff Whalen fake punt. As as the most moronic <laughs> as the most moronic play, which that's good because I get so tired of seeing, you know, Colt Anderson and Griff Whalen doing their little thing. But it, it's just because this again that that came with with playoff implications, uh, the one the one yesterday, and it, it just there, there's nothing good that comes out of that. It, it's hard to imagine. You, it just goes to show you as a coach, you can draw up the greatest game plan and have the perfect approach to a game, and then it's on the players. And, you know, it, it, it's 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 hard to know what goes through a player's mind like that. But, I mean, you go down and you go into overtime. You know, that, that that's it. So it, it, it's, it was really kind of interesting to listen to uh, was it Jacoby Myers? Is that who, is that who the, the lateral was? Where he said, you know, I was trying to make a play. I was trying to be a hero. And he he knows he was wrong. He knows he was wrong. But the running back could have should have just gone down. What's he doing lateral? Because that, that could have been a fumble return for a touchdown. So, but it, it is, it was kind of, it's from a Colts perspective, it was kind of cool to see some other team being laughed at. So you know, you take you take your 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 positive points where you can. <laughs> That's right, um, especially when it happens to the Patriots. I mean, all the more that's, sweet that's, for Colts that's fans. Ne- that's never a bad thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and since uh, we're and since we're on that, which is really crazy, it was what a weekend. What about Tom Brady, another former Patriot? They were ahead seventeen to nothing. And then they were outscored by 33. The Colts were only outscored by 32 unanswered points. So once again, the Patriot, uh, an ex-Patriot, one-ups them. Truly a wild NFL weekend. I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. But the Jaguars walk off pick six in overtime against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the Chiefs going to overtime with the Houston Texans, and then they had the walk-off touchdown run. So the AFC South in the heart of a lot of exciting finishes. I mean, even the Titans and Chargers, that was a game-winning field goal. Should have been overtime. Should have been overtime, that's right. So, uh, incredibly entertaining weekend of football, to say the least. Um, For this Colts game, though, takeaway number two, defense was tail of two halves. I mean, if we break it down, the offense was pretty bad the entire game. They scored just the one offensive touchdown. The defense was tremendous in the first half. Zero points allowed, 82 yards allowed, j- allowed just three first downs. They had three sacks, and they forced two turnovers, the fumble and the pick six. And that's if you don't count the special teams block. I mean, that, that's, that, it is special teams, but it's k- kind of you're on defense at the same time. You turn to the second half. Third, second half in overtime, to be exact. 39 points allowed, 436 yards allowed, 29 first downs allowed. They had the one turnover on kind of the gimme from Kirk Cousins where he just threw it out there and the receiver stopped running. Cousins 
after halftime was 28 of 42 for 417 yards, four touchdowns, and the one interception. As you mentioned, Mike, the Colts have allowed 58 points in the fourth quarter in overtime in these last two games. I mean, they deserve, I would say, as much of the blame for this collapse as the offense, and if not close to it, because it's hard to be much worse in one half of football than the Colts were um, in the third and fourth quarter Saturday. Again, it's it's just make a play. We're not t- we're not saying make ha- have three great drives or three three announce. Make a play here. They're e- either side, either side. And uh, I went back and looked, and we can get into Matt Ryan in a little bit, but. Since the, the the great come out game against the Raiders, this offense has done nothing. And the main thing is staying on the field. They're 18 for 59 on third downs. That's 30 percent. So it's it's it, it, the blame game is there. Uh, we've seen that that Frank Wright wasn't the problem, wasn't the main problem. This this is a team wide. There is something wrong with this team. I, I, there's no other way of saying it. There's something wrong with it. And it, it's not Jeff Saturday. It's not Frank Reich. It, it, part of it's Matt Ryan. It, part of it's Matt Ryan. But from top to bottom, there's something wrong. Th- th- this is a, a team that's got good defensive players. It does. With Buckner and Gilmore and, and, and all these guys. And, and, and Zaire Franklin. There's something wrong when... You're giving up historic numbers in, in bunches. And this will be addressed in the offseason, one way or the other. To some level, it will be addressed. Yeah, Colts in a few short weeks will be entering yet another crucial offseason for the future of the franchise. Let's talk about the offense now. Uh, they just failed to score touchdowns. Of Indianapolis's 36 points, Just six of those came by way of offensive touchdown. Uh, The Colts obviously had the pick six, the punt block, and five field goals to go with it. Colts couldn't take advantage of good field position. They started at their 40-yard line or better on five drives, and those drives resulted in just 12 points, four field goals and one turnover on downs. Matt Ryan didn't turn the ball over. But he didn't do a whole lot to help either. He finished. He, 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 with his... he, he tried one time on that one push fumble. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. He 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 definitely gave it a go. He had a couple fumbles in the game, but um, finished with 182 passing yards on 33 attempts. 14 of those went to Michael Pittman Jr., who had 10 catches for just 60 yards. Longest completion was a 36-yarder to Jelani Woods, and then he never saw the ball again. Uh, no wide receiver had a catch longer than 15 yards. I mean, you, you hate to really pile on a guy like Parks Frazier who's kind of thrust into the position of play caller, and I, I still don't think the Colts have named someone who they're going to call offensive coordinator, but it, it sure shows out there because the offensive strategy doesn't seem to be um, – I don't know, too advanced, I'll say. We've said this before when, when Dave's been in the studio, and, and I truly believe this. They've done what you're not supposed to do. They're putting people in positions to, to fail. They just have. And that's, you know, that, that's what Jeff Saturday, anyone who thought that was going to be a, a fix was delusional. It wasn't. 
Parks Frazier the same way. Keep in mind now they're operating without Marcus Brady, Frank Reich, and Clayton Adams, who, who went to Stanford. So it, it's just, it's a bad situation. And at some level, you just want this to end. You want it to end because, you, you, again, you think they reach rock bottom and then you find out there's another level. And it's, it's, it's really hard to imagine what the next level down would be, seriously, that didn't, that didn't involve an injury to someone. So uh, it, it, it's really kind of painful to watch because the players are taking the brunt of this and they're playing their asses off. They are. You know, I, I, you can argue that they're they're playing undisciplined sometimes and all that, but I, I, I'm not getting into the quitting no, mode or the tanking. They don't need to try to tank. We saw that Saturday. I mean, you don't have to. Uh, they're doing it pretty well on their own, so we just needed to need this to get over so they can start owner Jim they can start the process of rebuilding a greatly broken franchise. Mike, I have two questions for you before we move on. Uh, the first has to do with the quarterback. We've kind of talked about it the last couple of weeks, but how long do the Colts stick with Matt Ryan? As we discussed, I, I don't think he was the main factor in the Colts' collapse, but he certainly didn't do anything to help. And you need your quarterbacks to make plays, especially in the fourth quarter um, when the game is on the line. He had several opportunities, did not really do a whole lot with them. Uh, you spoke with uh, Saturday. I saw you had an article up that Saturday was non-committal about sticking with Ryan moving forward. In my mind, if you don't make the change now, you're not going to make it, barring injury, of course. Yeah, he was asking. It was well, we haven't really gotten into that yet. We've got to evaluate, and that's not a rousing endorsement. It's not an endorsement at all. I mean, it, what you say is, yeah, he's our quarterback. So it it, it leaves the notion certainly that. There's something to be evaluated, and and and, and I'm, I'm not saying that because of the possible financial ramifications. You know, if he's on the roster next year, he counts 35 million and change. I think it is. If you cut him, he's due 18 million because of the contract guarantee. But you 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 save 17 million. If he goes out next week and blows out a knee and he can't pass his physical, he's on your roster. But it's I just don't know, and I'm a Matt Ryan fan. I, I I like the guy. I think he's a great leader. He's had a great career. I just don't know how much is left. It looks like there's not a lot of zip on the ball. He looks to me like that he he can't. He, well, at first he can't trust his protection, and then he he doesn't trust his protection. It seems like he's just indecisive, and, and and he anticipates pressure when it's not there, even though it's there a lot of the time. I I sort of anticipate a change at quarterback. I I assume that would be Foles and not Ellinger. I don't know, but if you're if you're not going to change it now, then then you're going to write it out with him. And I don't know that a change at quarterback is going to matter, because again, this team is fundamentally broken. So I don't know, but but I, I won't be surprised. I'll be more surprised if Ryan is a quarterback for the Charger game than if it's someone else. I, I think it's probably time to make a change, just to make a change. Yeah, I agree with you. Not that I think 
the Colts would suddenly get a vast improvement at quarterback play from Nick Foles or Ellinger, probably Foles. I believe Ellinger was inactive for this past game, and Foles was the number two. But you got to go with something else. When it's not working, you just got to try something different. I mean, we all know what the definition of insanity is. And at a certain point, you got to get um, someone in there. And I mean, come on, Ellinger got a shot. Ryan's got a shot. You might as well be fair and give Nick Foles one, too. It's amazing. We've talked about this. No one has been jerked around more than Nick Foles. I mean, he, he's he got to be wondering what, you know, what's going on here. And, and again, he may go out there and just play awful. I don't know. But right now, it's it's not working with Ryan. Again, I, I the numbers are kind of fuzzy in my head because they all get kind of mushed together. But over these last four games, he's completed like 62% of his passes, and it's like 6.1 yards per attempt, 9 yards per completion. That's, that's ridiculous. And he, they've got like six touchdowns and – nine or 10 or 11 turnovers. It's just not working. And what's crazy is I think the offensive line's playing a little better. I think Bernard Ryman has, is kind of settling down. I, I do. He still has the occasional, you know, hiccup like rookies do. But I think they're playing better. But right now the quarterback is just not giving them a good enough chance to win. Yeah, I agree. You got to get someone in there who can push the ball down the field to back defenses up off your wide receivers a little bit. My second question to you is, how hot is Jeff Saturday's seat? I mean, it seems unimaginable that an interim head coach could then be fired himself. But after the collapse at Dallas and then this collapse at Minnesota, I mean, it's got to be going through Jim Marseille's head right now. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing. <laughs> I thought I thought about that. I, I really did. There is not a chance in in. There's not a chance you fired the interim coach. I mean, that that would be the most incredible thing to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm still laughing, but I, the, I thought when when I saw the hot seat on your list here it was for next year. <laughs> Yeah, I just think this is one where you kind of strap him in a chair and say, <laughs> you're the guy. You're the guy. Uh, but m- more important, the question would be is, what what is this doing for his opportunity to be the head coach? And it's not helping. I, but again, I go back to, I, I don't know what he could have done, you know, short of taking this team to the playoffs. To, to make this a realistic possibility, but I can't get past the the, 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 the I'm, I still laugh at the can they fire an interim coach? I wonder if an interim coach has ever been fired. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. And then who takes over the team? Gus Bradley or someone that a lot of people were arguing for to be the first interim head coach. Not that I'm calling on Saturday to get I fired. Think if, I mean, if they do that, they just find another Ring of Honor guy. Who's not doing it? Bring Tart, Tart, bring Tart Glenn back since, you know, Bill Brooks is there. We could just go around the Ring of Honor and see who wants, you know, take numbers and see who wants to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, I, we, I we, doubt we, Jim we have, we, We've gone off the rails right here, but that's all right. <laughs> but we'll solve the Colts, so we're just staying in form there. Uh, we'll definitely speak a lot more about Saturday, the Colts quarterback 
decisions and whatnot on Thursday when J- Dave joins the team and we preview the Monday night matchup. Col- I mean, who wouldn't want this team in prime time? Come on, exciting things happen in the fourth quarter when this team plays football. Uh, Colts and Chargers. Must see TV. That's right. Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. All right, Mike, believe it or not, but the Colts' playoff chances are still not dead, as you so eloquently put it a week or two ago. The body's on the ground, but it is still twitching. (laughs) So this is the situation. Colts have four wins. All the wildcard teams have eight or more wins with three games to go. So Indianapolis would need to win the AFC South to make the playoffs, you, you've you've with, really looked this up. You, you've 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 studied this. <laughs> oh yeah, of course I did because it includes a Titans freefall. They've lost three in a row. The seven and seven Titans would need to lose out, and the four nine and one Colts would need to win out. And then of the two seven win teams, the Colts would have the better winning percentage because of their tie. So there is still a chance, Mike. Speaking of the AFC South. The Titans' division hopes are in peril, and not because of the Colts. Tennessee, they've lost to the Chargers this past week, the Jaguars the week before, and the week before that, they lost to Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the 6-8 and eight Jaguars have won three of their last four, including Sunday's overtime win over the Cowboys. Just one game back, the Jaguars couldn't end up taking the division from Tennessee. The Titans play at Jacksonville, Week 18 in a matchup that very well could decide the division. How exciting is that, Mike? I tell you what, we're getting a preview of what who might be the team to beat in the AFC South moving forward. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looks like the real deal. He's got an actual coach-slash-quarterback guru in Doug Peterson. they got young talent. they got talent on defense. Uh, for all the jokes we've made over all the years, and deservedly so, on the Jaguars, these guys are showing who may be the uh, bully of the di- bully, who may be the team to beat in the division moving forward. Yeah, I said last week on the show when we we're discussing the Titans firing their general manager that it's the Jaguars um, that gives me concerns as I look to the future of this division, and they certainly proved that on Sunday. Trevor Lawrence, uh, the first overall pick in the draft by the Jaguars, and he certainly seems to be making their draft pick worth it. Speaking of draft picks, let's look at the draft order now, something um, a little more at hand for the Colts rather than their playoff chances. The Colts move from the seventh overall pick to the sixth overall pick if the season were to end today, and they can move into fifth if the Rams beat the Packers on Monday night football. It was a good weekend for the Colts draft position. Six teams that entered the weekend with five or fewer wins, got a victory, including Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Las Vegas, New Orleans, and Denver. Of course, you know, Denver without Russell Wilson, then they pick up a win. Go figure that. 
the remaining schedule for Indianapolis, we talked about it. At home, Monday night against the Chargers. After that, they traveled to New York to play the Giants on New Year's Day. Giants just came up with a huge win um, over Washington to keep their playoff hopes looking good. And then the Colts play the Houston Texans the final week of the season, the one-win Houston Texans, and yet the Texans have pushed the Cowboys and the Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. They pushed the Chiefs into overtime, and the Cowboys game went down to the final seconds, and Dallas was just able to pull out a win in that one. So, Mike, looking at its draft order here, it's looking more and more likely that the Colts could find themselves with a top-five draft pick. And that probably won't. You're into this. I, I, I sort of compartmentalize, and I'm not quite there yet. But top five, it, they're still going to get the third-best quarterback, right? I mean, and they may have to move up a spot. Well, the third quarterback. We'll see who ends up, who ends up being best. But the, those, Cor- they'll correct. probably get the third quarterback. The third quarterback. But, yeah, correct. Because Houston's going to take one, and, and it, they'll get the third one. And, and but, but the higher you are, the better you are. The, the higher you are, the better chance you get to get who you want and the less it'll take to move up a couple of spots, you know, t- to get to where you want to go. Maybe you trade up to three with Chicago. I don't know. So it, it's really, really interesting. And, again, I just don't see – can you imagine this season ending losing to Houston at home? Can you imagine that? I mean, holy smokes. Yes, I can. <laughs> so, but, but again, it, it's – I've been through this a lot when they were the one and fifteens and the three and thirteens and the two and fourteens, and it's very very interesting to consider draft positioning over the last month of the season. But all that tells you is that your franchise is a mess, and, and we won't go down the rabbit hole too much. But what I said like last Thursday with with Dave and and you is that. The problem is, this is not going to be a quick fix. It's not, because the quarterback you get's not going to, is more than likely not going to be ready to play. So then, if Ryan's not here, you bring in another veteran, unless it's Foles, and it's 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 going to be a couple year project. And may, maybe the fan base will be okay with that if they know there's a plan in place. If they know, I, I th- and I think that's the case. If they know that you've got a quarterback who has promise, and you can you can say, listen, bear with us. We're going to do this the right way, but at least we've got the guy. I think the fan base is okay with that. They're they're sick and tired of of this is our bridge to the next guy, whether that bridge is Rivers or Wentz or Ryan. So you know, the last three weeks, it can't get over quick enough in my mind because I really want to see where this franchise goes. And I feel like we've been saying this year after year, but this is another huge off season for the Colts franchise until you find your quarterback. It's always a huge off season for your franchise, which is part of the reason there's so much attention on draft order. If the Colts already had their guy at quarterback, I don't think there'd be such spotlight on what draft pick they end up with, you know, sixth, eighth, 10th, whatever. If the Colts need a receiver, defensive end, they could probably find a decent one there. Finding the quarterback just is so crucial. You look at the teams ahead of them. Chicago at number two, they probably don't need a quarterback. Um, Denver at three, do they re-sign Geno Smith? Uh, I'm sorry. Seattle. 
Denver at three, but Seattle owns their draft pick. Does Seattle re-sign Geno Smith? Cardinals at four. I don't think Kyler Murray's going anywhere. And then at the fifth spot, even if the Rams lose and their draft pick stays at five, which the Detroit Lions own their draft pick, do the Lions stick with Jared Goff? Lions are playing great football lately. Goff is playing really well. So a lot of questions to be answered. Um, you look right behind the Colts. The Falcons and the Panthers are both five and nine. So, and I'm sure they're be, they'll be in the quarterback market. So if the Colts can stay ahead of those two teams in the draft order, that'd be really big. Three weeks left to go. Uh, a lot to be determined here. First things first, the Colts are trying to move on from their collapse on Saturday so that they can play the Chargers because, you know, we can tra- talk draft order and all that, but I-, I don't think that's even being mentioned in this locker room right now. Jeff Saturday is trying to get a win for his career. A lot of these players are still trying to go out there and play good football uh, for their careers, especially the guys on the final years of their contract, the leaders in that locker room. Uh, there's a lot of pride. I know there's a lot of personal pride on this team because there are a lot of good football players. And so they're going to be scratching and clawing, doing their best to win these last three games. Thank you so much for joining us on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. That'll do it today. Please subscribe and download for us so that my bosses keep paying me uh, every two weeks. Uh, we will be back on Thursday. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone so that if something happens between now and Thursday, we can keep you updated on that. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. Take it easy out there, Colts fans. Colts fans.